So I've got some questions I'd like for us to think about this morning as we start the message. So who is the most creative, poetic, imaginative, skilled, and passionate being you know? It has to be God. Who is very interested in your well-being, your joy, your peace, and your fulfillment in life? It's God. Who cares so much about you that he set an example of resting and recuperating and told us to follow it? It's God. Who created so much beauty and diversity in nature that we could spend our entire lives trying to discover it all and we still would only scratch the surface? It's God. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. <clears throat> so think of the description we just talked about, and then realize that God made you in that image. Deep within the DNA of every human being, is a reflection of God. Now, some have buried it so deep it's hard to find. But there is God's imprint in every human being. Now, since we are created in His image, and all of us are somehow or another like God, in other words, if somebody looks at your life, you can look at the life of any human being, you can see traits of God within that person. What does that mean for us today? What responsibility or freedom does that give us? We are created to bring God honor and glory and to have a relationship with Him. In other words, we're created to reflect God to the world around us, to those that don't know Him. And the very word Christians means little Christ's. We're to show those around us who Christ is. So we, as Christians, are or should be a reflection of God. So I'd like to look at a subject this morning, look at an area of life that can be quite controversial as to whether or not it glorifies God. And that area of life is hobbies. I know that was quite an introduction to the word, to hobbies. But it's a basis for what we have to, how we have to look at life. Who God is. And then we are a reflection of who God is. The message title this morning is Hobbies That Honor God. And we often hear hobbies spoken of in sermons in a negative sense. And rightly so, because quite often hobbies become idols. We'll talk about that some more. But I was recently asked to take a look at hobbies that honor God. So that's what the message is this morning. Now all of us have hobbies of some sort. We have something we do for relaxation and pleasure that's not a necessity for life. Probably in America we have opportunity to we have more leisure time 
than most generations in the past because of the affluence and the wealth we have. But we also have a level of stress and pressure that I don't know that all of them had, that generations would have had in the past too. We need to make good use of that leisure time. So we all have hobbies and we all do things for the sole reason that we enjoy doing it. And that is what a hobby is. Webster definition for a hobby is a pursuit or interest engaged in for relaxation. So I guess you could actually say sleeping is a hobby because you sleep to relax. But more than that. Hobbies could be just about anything that you do just because you enjoy doing it. Now my wife loves to take a walk. And it's a time that she can relax. Um, she enjoys nature. Quite often she'll tell me about the fox, the deer, the different things she sees on this walk. She truly enjoys that. And quite often where she goes, she, she gets to see some nature. Now some would call it getting exercise. And some would not enjoy taking a walk at all because of the effort it takes and the time it takes. But to her, it's something she does as a way to relax. And by definition, that's a hobby. So walking to her is a hobby. Now I'd like to look this morning <clears throat> at both the pros and cons of hobbies. So I want to start with the negative, get that behind us. How can hobbies be a bad thing? Now most of the activities that we would class as a hobby are things that can consume too much of our time. And they can get in the way of things that are more important. I mean, it doesn't, really doesn't matter what it is. If you're a guy and enjoy hunting too much, it takes too much of your time. Or would enjoy woodworking to the point that you're spending an overt amount of time in the shop working on a project that you should be spending with your family. It can, even though it's a great hobby, it's taking too much time. A housewife might spend too much time reading, um, or whatever. If it takes too much time, it's inappropriate. Hobbies tend to be self-centered pursuits because it's something I enjoy. And because of that little word self in there, these activities can very easily become something we worship. Now, I know that's a stretch for us to think of the fact that we would worship a hobby. But let me explain. Most of us would never think that we are worshiping a hobby. But do we give them extravagant admiration or devotion? Do we devote an extravagant amount of time, energy, or devotion to them? Do they cause us to do anything that dishonors God or takes away from our relationship with Him? If we do, we are worshiping them instead of Him. Definition number three in the Webster's for worship is extravagant respect, admiration, or devotion. So if a hobby gets an extravagant amount of your admiration, what did I just say, respect or devotion from you, you are in a sense worshiping it. So if we allow something to take away from our relationship with God, no matter if it's hobbies, work, social life, possessions, 
anything. It has become an idol to us. And hobbies have led many away from God and into idolatry. And I want to say one of the first ways that happens is when a hobby keeps us from the church family, from meeting with the saints. That's first indication. When we start giving up what is best in our lives for something that we is good and we enjoy, we need to be careful that we don't let hobbies take away from what God would want in our lives. So when we look at hobbies from the negative point and how bad they can be, I mean, if it's something you can cause you to fall into idolatry, it's pretty bad, right? We might start to wonder if we should have any part in them. And I think that's why they get a bad rap sometimes. Maybe we should avoid hobbies altogether just so that doesn't, they don't take us away from God. But I don't think that's quite so. The Bible gives us some clear direction on how to make sure our leisure time honors God. And if I was going to have a text verse for the, title, for the message today, it would be this one. Colossians 3.17, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. No matter what we do, do it to honor God. And if you're doing what you're doing in the name of the Lord Jesus, if that's your focus, you're probably going to want to honor, it's probably going to honor God. I mean, it will honor God. <clears throat> Let's do whatever we do. I mean, hobbies is the subject we're talking about. But all of life with the focus of honoring God. So what are the good things about hobbies? Why should we have a hobby? Well, let's think back to why we were created and whose image we were created in. So our purpose in life is to honor and glorify God and to show the world around us who God is. But, as we all know, we are limited beings. That means... We are not supernatural and only can do so much. Within that limited state, we are called to show those around us who God is. How do we do that? How do we reflect God to the world around us? So think back to the description of who God is that we talked about just a few minutes ago. God is creative. If you think with me, what God has created. The human mind cannot grasp the creativity of the mind of God. We can't get a hold of, it's too big for us. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 27 to 29, you could turn there with me if you would. 1 Corinthians 1 verses 27 to 29.
Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Remember, we're talking about God's creativity here. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. What's a virus? You almost, it's almost impossible to see a virus. I think they do have a telescope. You can actually see a virus gene now, whatever it is. But Paul's saying here that God has chosen things you can't even see to confound, well, uh, things which are not to bring not things that are. <laughs> In other words, something you can't see can kill you. God's chosen, made it that way. So that we don't raise our pride or think we know it all. That no flesh should glory in his presence. In our family devotions recently, we were reading about the wonders of God's creation. And we found out that a shovel full of garden soil has more species of living things in it than can be found above ground in the Amazon rainforest. I couldn't, I, that was almost more than I could grasp. I'm assuming that Howard Bean knew what he was talking about when he put that in there. But the point is being made that something, a shovel full of dirt, looks dead to us. We can't even see it. But there's microorganisms, so many that it's more than you will find living above ground in the Amazon rainforest, in a shovel full of dirt. God's creativity. God in his creativity has chosen the tiniest and most intricate things to completely confound the wisest person. God is creative. Alright, God is poetic. He's given mankind every language that is spoken. And poetry in some form is written in most if not all of those languages. It's a gift from God to express worship and praise. In fact, six books of the Bible are considered books of poetry. Now, I'm not going to tell you which ones they are. That's your homework. But there are six books that are considered poetry. And if you delve into the subject of biblical poetry, you're going to find poetry from the very first words that were spoken by human, by the I'm sorry, the very first recorded, written words were, spoke, were written by the human race. In other words, the first words that Adam spoke were in poetic form. All the way through Scripture you find poetry. All the way into Revelation. There's poetry in Revelations. God is poetic. God is imaginative. Think back to the time before time. When there was no earth or solar system. There was nothing. That's, that's how we understand it anyway. There was nothing. And God got to imagining, what could I make? In our craziest dreams, I know our, our dreams get, you know, sometimes you have things you just, how in the world did, that, did I dream that? 
Our imagination has never come close to imagining the complexities of the solar system or the human nervous system. That's only two tiny systems that are out there. That was all a product of God's imagination and creativity. God is imaginative. God is skilled. Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. What God does, he does right. He invests himself in it. God is passionate. All through scripture we see God's passion coming through. When Adam and Eve fell, and God went to meet him in the garden... And he spoke to Adam and Eve about what they had done. He placed that curse on them. He cursed Adam and Eve. He cursed the serpent. And he cursed the dirt. Those curses still are in effect today. To some degree. All the way through scripture. Jesus' life here on earth. Passion that Jesus showed in life. You look at the end times. The prophecies of the end times. What's going to happen. I will, God said. He is passionate about how he feels. We see God's deep feelings and emotions coming out through Scripture everywhere. What he loves, he loves completely, and what he hates, he will destroy. It's coming. God is passionate. So what do these attributes of God have to do with our hobbies? Well, remember that man is limited. He is limited in time, energy, and ability. We can't do everything. We think we can sometimes. As we get older, we realize how weak we are and how we can't. We are limited. And as humans, for us to be creative, poetic, imaginative, skilled, and passionate, those are all things that don't come from a stressed out life. We need to do, if we want to be like God in those areas, we need to do the three R's. We need to rest, relax, and rejuvenate. Hobbies that truly honor God will help us do just that. Remember the old saying, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy? That's the same for adults. We need to recreate. We need to do things to take time in our schedule to relax and to refocus and to read a book or whatever it is that you enjoy doing to regenerate our minds and our spirits. God-honoring hobbies help us older boys and girls to not get dull. It's a fact. If we live a stressed out life, packing every minute full with work and stress, you're going to become dull. The human spirit cannot take that for so long. And you're not going to reflect these attributes of God to the world around you. Stress, worry, responsibility, and life in general can pretty much drain the joy of life right out of us. Luke 18, verse 17 It says, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. What's a little child like? 
They're full of energy. They're full of joy. They're full of faith. They have a simple trust. If we want to be like that, we're going to have to make sure we don't overwork, overstress, overexert ourselves. If we want to be a child, we can't do those things. We need to take the time to do the three R's, rest, relax, and recreate. So what example did Jesus leave for us? What did he do that could be called a hobby today? Well, he fished, he sang, he walked, he sailed, he spent most of his life in woodworking, and once he even handcrafted a pretty gnarly whip. But most importantly, he spent time with his father. He took time to rejuvenate his soul. So I don't know what all the hobbies are represented here today. Obviously, there's some of us enjoy hunting. Some of you like reading, sewing. Sewing for sewing for some is a job. Sewing for some is a hobby. Personally, as most of you know, I enjoy hunting. For a good many years now, four other guys and myself go deep in the woods, in the, back in the mountains, and we will spend several days hunting. Now, since I've joined that group, we've never killed a deer. But that's not the point. Now, all of us would love to shoot a truly magnificent mountain buck. But it's okay if we don't, because all of us agree that's not the focus of why we go back in the mountains. The focus is the three R's, to rest, relax, and rejuvenate. Because we can go back there and we can sit around a campfire and poke sticks in the fire and be perfectly happy. And talk about all the things that are burdening us. And come out of there having unloaded to each other and to the Lord all those things that need to get off our shoulders. Now it's not a miracle. But you know what? It does us good. Now, that's not the answer for all of y'all. And it's not probably won't be the answer for me forever either. But it's something we enjoy doing. It is a hobby. It takes time away from our family. I realize that. Thankfully, we've got families that are gracious enough. I guess maybe they see how much good it does us. I don't know. But they support us doing that. We all need something to help us refocus. If your job is mostly mentally draining, if you're a writer or a computer programmer or an accountant, you should probably find a hobby that puts your hands to work, like gardening or woodworking. If you do a job that is mostly manual labor, it might be good to do something that stimulates your mind like reading or singing or writing, something different than what you would normally do in your day job. It makes a good hobby, something that it's a break for you mentally. Of course, no matter what your occupation is, you can always take up hunting or fishing because they're both mentally and physically stimulating. So other than helping us rejuvenate, how can our hobbies honor God? Well, they can help others. A hunter can bless someone else with venison. And that happens a good bit in our circles, and I appreciate that. A fisherman can take a child along. And there's been many a story of a child from inner cities that fishing 
has revolutionized their life. Now, I know that we would say leading, giving, bringing them to Christ. Some people use that as a way, as a mission outreach. Get them in the boat and you can get, God, get the gospel into them. But you could affect someone else's life through your hobby, not, not just fishing. Any hobby you use. If it's something you enjoy, there's probably something else, somebody else out there that enjoys the same thing. You can share it with them. Use it as a way to connect. Someone who enjoys woodworking can use the money from the projects to support a church or a widow or a needy family. And one of the most practical ways that people have been using hobbies to honor God has been happening around us for years. And that's through the sewing circle. We've got ladies that have sewn thousands of lap robes and baby blankets and quilts. I, I wish I knew the number. It's when you, I did hear the number of the one lady, what one lady had done, and I was just blown away with how many, I think it was lap robes she was doing, had got sent around the world from her living room. A hobby that honors God, meeting the, using our hobbies to meet basic needs of mankind. Simply meeting the needs of others through something we enjoy. What a blessing. But even if a hobby does not directly affect someone else, reading doesn't directly affect someone else. Taking a walk in nature doesn't. That's basically something that I enjoy for me. Hiking, running. Um, does that mean they're less important? I say no. Because your life, Reflecting who God is to those around you is very important. We need to take care of God's temple. Your body is God's temple. We need to do the things it takes to take care of that temple. We must ask ourselves the question, what's the reason I am doing this? Is it so that I am more equipped to honor God or is it for my own selfish interests? The motive behind anything we do in life controls whether it is honoring God or has become an idol. What are our hobbies doing? We could ask that about what is our work doing? What is our social life doing? What is all the things we do in life? What are they doing? Why do we do what we do? I'll leave you with this verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or hike or walk or fish or hunt or read. No, it says, or whatsoever ye do. I think hobbies fits in there. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God.